Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the last long weekend of summer. We're so glad that you're able to be a part of our service today. Please be sure to track with us through one of our social media platforms on both Facebook and Instagram. Also, make sure you check your email as we are sending out weekly updates with very important information. If you have a prayer request, make sure you send it in to us, and each week when we gather for prayer, we'll pray for you. That's it for now. Enjoy the service.
Luke chapter 5, verse 17 to 26. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him into Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier for you to say, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Good morning, EPC Church family. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Today, we will be continuing our summer preaching series titled, Uncomfortable. And in this series, we are considering scriptures where Jesus made those around him feel uncomfortable, either by the things that he said or the things that he did. We observe as we read the Gospels that Jesus made religious people feel uncomfortable and marginalized people feel safe. But sometimes the church does the opposite. We make religious people feel safe and marginalized people feel uncomfortable. And so the main focus of our series is this. If we, the followers of Jesus, are going to continue his work of making marginalized people feel safe, we must begin with a fresh exposure to the uncomfortable teachings of Jesus. One of the most popular stores to shop at for home decoration or, or home renovation is Ikea. Now, Ikea is a massively popular store. People love to shop there, and I, like most people, love to shop at Ikea, except Ikea and I have this love-hate relationship, right? I love to go in and see all the finished products that they, ha that they have on display on their, on their floors and being able to dream of it in my home to, to make it more modern looking or more sleek, maybe. And I absolutely love how those finished products look. But that's the thing that IKEA gets you on, right? You see the finished product. So you want the finished product. So you buy the finished product only for Ikea to instead hand you a box smaller than the, than the finished product actually is with a trillion little pieces inside and expect you to, to spend days of your life struggling to put it all together to try and get that finished product that you were able to visualize in the store. That's my struggle with Ikea, and maybe you've experienced something similar as well. But the point being that often when we have a goal that we desire to be achieved, there may be steps and even some difficulties getting to that finished product, the goal that was originally envisioned. Oftentimes, achieving the finished product requires persistence. 
It requires persistence. To be persistent means continuing firmly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. In our passage of scripture this morning, we see a group of men whose goal was for their paralyzed friend to be healed by Jesus. And they were persistent enough in that goal to overcome all the obstacles necessary to see it through to the end result that they initially visualized. However, their friend got so much more than healing from Jesus and the words and authority of Jesus in this situation worked to make the Pharisees and the religious teachers uncomfortable, to say the least. We are able to see persistence in the embittered and critical response of the Pharisees to Jesus' words and actions. And we're also able to see persistence in the words of Jesus, how he responded to the Pharisees' uncomfortable feelings towards his authority. And so our first point this morning is this, persistent faith. Persistent faith. In our message this morning, we see that Jesus is teaching from inside a house in Capernaum. And this house was absolutely sold out from space because of all the people trying to crowd in and get a glimpse of Jesus. Locals were coming in to try and and hear Jesus' teachings as he was still early in his ministry and gaining quickly in popularity. But more than just the locals, Pharisees and teachers of the law, religious teachers, were also uh, coming to hear Jesus' teachings. They've no doubt heard all these stories and the rumors of the things that Jesus has done and want to get a glimpse of what he is all about. In fact, when looking at the timeline of the ministry of Jesus, this is actually the first time that the Pharisees show up. This story shows the first signs of organized opposition towards Jesus. Jesus, these religious leaders from Jerusalem, Judea, and Galilee came to find out for themselves who Jesus was, what he was saying, and what he was doing, and determine whether or not he was a danger to breaking their rules and their authority. While Jesus was teaching, four men were busy carrying their paralyzed friend to the place where Jesus was, hoping that Jesus could heal him of his affliction. I can only imagine the amount of work that it took for them, seeing that they couldn't even get near the the front doors or any windows of the home because people were already crowding in through them. I can only imagine the sense of urgency they felt at at not being able to get their friend to Jesus' feet until one of them must have spoken up with an idea about going through the roof of the home. These men were determined. As I said earlier, they were persistent. Having now uh, an eight-month-old daughter, uh, I'm able to see persistence in a whole new light. I firmly believe there is no one more persistent than a curious eight-month-old who's learning how to crawl, right? If there's something that Lucy lays her eyes on, you can be sure that she will move heaven and earth in order to get her hands on that thing. It could be my hat for instance, or, or one of our phones, or, and especially our food. If we have food, you know she's going to go for it because she wants grown-up food. And to see her rotate herself around and start lunging forward in order to get some momentum behind her, there's nothing stopping this girl from achieving her goal of getting her hands on every single item in our home. However, the thing is, Lucy isn't quite 100% mobile yet on her own. And so in order to get to something she can't quite get to, she needs help. She needs help from other people. She needs help specifically from mom and dad in order to get there. As Lucy's parents, we help her get to those things that she can't quite get her hands on yet. And these men in the story were the same, willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. 
More than persistent though, they were faith-filled. These men so powerfully believed that Jesus can make a difference in their paralyzed friend's life. So they overcame whatever obstacle to get him to Jesus. And so they decided to utilize the roof of the home that Jesus was in. And in biblical times, roofs were utilized as space. So there would have been stairs leading up to the roof that these men would have been able to take. But once they got there, they would have had to make a hole big enough for their friend and a makeshift uh, stretcher that this friend was on in order to get him down onto the ground below. And I can only imagine, without any warning at all, the people sitting closest to Jesus in the home are suddenly feeling small pieces of roofing fall down on top of them. And as they look up to see a hole begin to open up in the roof and, and, and the heads of four men quickly peer down to get a sense of the space that they had and begin to lower their friend by rope, laying on a mat to the feet of Jesus so that he may receive healing. Our second point this morning, embittered response. Embittered response. At this point now, the paralyzed man is laying at the feet of Jesus. And we see that Jesus was impressed by the faith of these four men and their friend who was in need of healing. And it's interesting to me to note that in each of the Gospels in which this story is accounted for, there isn't a recorded instance of the paralyzed man or the other four friends asking specifically for healing over their friend. This places an emphasis on their faith in that they've heard of Jesus up until this point and that he would know what it is they came looking for. All of the accounts of this story also report the same immediate response of Jesus to the man lying paralyzed before him. Son, your sins are forgiven. What a wild response and probably not what the paralyzed man and his friends were expecting from this Jesus that they've heard so much about. So why would this be Jesus's first response to their demonstration of faith? Well, I believe there could have been a few reasons. The first could have been to tackle the thinking of the time regarding sickness and its link to sin in our lives. Oftentimes sickness would be prescribed as a result of the sin that a person has so since there were people in that room with Jesus who believed that Jesus may have been demonstrating his authority over both sickness and sin. And secondly, I believe the fact that Jesus addresses this sin before the sickness clearly demonstrates the purpose of his mission and his ministry here on earth, that being the restoration and the salvation of people. Even if this man's sickness wasn't directly related to sin, our first and greatest need as human beings is to be reconciled to God. Our first and greatest need as human beings is to be reconciled to God. Jesus had every intention to heal the paralyzed man, but by Jesus' actions, he was teaching that the spiritual healing, the forgiveness of sins, takes priority over the physical one. This healing was to be a teachable moment, not just a miracle. So Jesus addressed the spiritual need first and forgave the man. Jesus' response sent shockwaves through the Pharisees and the religious teachers. The Bible says that the Pharisees said to themselves, as in they didn't say it out loud, but they thought it, that what Jesus said was total blasphemy because only God has the authority and the power to forgive sins. Who does this man think he is wielding the authority for something only God himself can do? 
verse 22 says, Jesus knew what they were thinking. The ESV version says it a little differently, that Jesus perceived their thoughts. And honestly, I think this is so cool right here, that the embittered response of the Pharisees was kept from being spoken out loud, but maybe they even had subtle shifts in their body language or even facial expressions after Jesus said what he said. But despite all that, Jesus knew what it was that they were thinking anyways. And I can almost imagine the sweat dripping down the Pharisees' heads as they were left wondering how in the world this man knew what it was that they were thinking. Who knows the heart? God knows the heart. Forget the miracle for a minute. He knows what I'm thinking. I can almost visualize the panic that they were going, that they must have experienced. Even while the miracle is taking place, there are other things happening that give proof of Jesus' divinity and authority. Only God knows what's in the hearts of people. No one can hear our thoughts or know the deepest inner parts of our minds except for the one who created us in the first place. So as a response to what the Pharisees were thinking, Jesus asks a question. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So what's the answer? The fact is, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because there is no immediate evidence to be proven right or wrong. We can't see into a person's heart or read their mind, so we would have no proof. Whereas if you say stand up and walk in this scenario, there would be actual proof that a miracle had taken place. Jesus asked this question in order to set up the moment where his authority over the forgiveness of sins and miraculous healing in the life of this paralyzed man would be without a doubt. Our third point this morning, greater authority. Greater authority. Jesus wraps up his rebuke to the Pharisees by saying that as the Son of Man, he can prove to them that he has the authority to forgive sins. And he does so by telling the paralyzed man to stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Our text tells us that immediately the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God the whole way. It was another demonstration of the faith this man has in Jesus' authority to put in the effort to physically stand up despite being paralyzed just a moment before. By faith, he stood up, picked up his mat, and went home. This had undeniable proof of Jesus' authority, not just for miraculous healing, but also proof of his power to forgive sin. Jesus did the visible miracle to prove that he had the authority to do the invisible miracle. It's almost poetic that the man was asked by Jesus to carry home his mat. This mat that symbolized the man's sickness. The mat that carried the man because he couldn't be transported anywhere without it. That mat is now being carried home by the man. This healing had changed his life and restored his social status even to him. Because he walked away praising the Lord for not just the physical restoration, but his spiritual restoration too. He was a testimony to everyone else crowded into that area. And God was glorified through this. We don't hear about the Pharisees' response to Jesus' proof of greater authority over the forgiveness of sins, but I can only imagine how they could have been even more uncomfortable by this point because of the result of what this man had claimed to be able to do. Jesus offered proof of his statement to forgive the sins of the paralyzed man by linking his forgiveness and his healing together. 
The Pharisees and everyone there observed the healing. So the forgiveness of this man's sins could also be interpreted by them to be true. The Pharisees were caught up on how they thought that Jesus' teaching was blasphemy, that only God could forgive sin. They believed this to be true, and, and rightly so. God forgives sin. That is a given. But Jesus' claims put him on the same level as God, which caused the Pharisees to go against what Jesus had taught. Ultimately, the Pharisees didn't have a firm grasp on who Jesus fully was. They were there as critics. They were there as critics for the purpose of finding fault with Jesus. And in their minds, they found it when they interpreted Jesus' words as blasphemy. They had no concern for the paralytic man. They had no joy when Jesus healed him. Despite the evidence of the miracle, they left that day even more embittered, ready to take charge against more of Jesus' teachings throughout his ministry. To reiterate the main point of our series this morning, if we, the followers of Jesus, are going to continue his work of making marginalized people feel safe, we must begin with a fresh exposure to the uncomfortable teachings of Jesus. Jesus' authority in this passage definitely worked to make the Pharisees and religious teachers uncomfortable, to say the least. As their first encounter with Jesus and his teaching, Jesus left a mark on them by his bold claim to be able to forgive sins, something that only God has been known to do. But Jesus backs up this claim by also healing the paralyzed man, demonstrating his authority by linking the healing to the restoration. Evidence of the physical healing must mean that the forgiveness of this man's sins is also valid. But through this story, there are two points I want us to take with us this morning. The first one, faith persistent enough to overcome. Faith persistent enough to overcome. In our passage this morning, we're able to see such persistence in the faith of the paralyzed man and the faith of the four friends who carried him to Jesus. It didn't matter the obstacle. It didn't matter the difficulty. Their faith led them to doing what needed to be done to get the man to the feet of Jesus. It wouldn't do much good if they had the faith in what Jesus could do for their friend, but gave up when they saw they couldn't make it through the front door. Instead, that persistence, born from their faith, led to a hope in Jesus for a positive change that they so desperately wanted to experience for their friend in need. A persistent faith in our own lives will lead to such a strength and determination to overcome any obstacle in our pursuit of Jesus. Secondly, forgiveness of sins is the main need of every person. In this story, we see the man being lowered through the roof by his friends to receive healing from Jesus. But instead of immediately receiving the healing that he was looking for, Jesus instead forgives him of his sins. To heal the man's body first will not allow the greater need and the true mission of Jesus to be fulfilled. Forgiveness of sins is not meant to just be a little bonus on top of the whole benefits package. It is the main need that Jesus came to address. For the paralyzed man, the basis of his forgiveness was his faith. It was his faith. It was his faith that saved him. It was his faith that made him whole. He believed in Jesus, and therefore that made a way for the forgiveness of his sins and the healing of his body to follow. We live in a world right now that is hurting, that is lost, that is broken, where people are in desperate need of hope, a hope that can only be found in Jesus. Jesus is our hope because of his power, 
because of his authority, because of his love and his grace, he restores us. He redeems us. He reconciles us to himself. Jesus has the ability to meet the main need for forgiveness in our lives and in the lives of those around us as well. As the friends did in carrying the paralyzed man to the feet of Jesus, we can come alongside those who need help finding their way to him. Sticking with them despite the obstacles, persisting despite the difficulty, will help them find their hope in Jesus and allow Jesus to meet their need. In conclusion today, we observed that as we read the Gospels, that Jesus made religious people feel uncomfortable and marginalized people feel safe. And I feel that that sentence is made abundantly clear in our passage of Scripture this morning as Jesus forgave the sins of this paralyzed man and healed his body as well. Likewise, his presence with us today and his authority over sin means that wherever we are and whatever situation, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, whatever uh, we find ourselves facing, we can experience salvation. We can experience healing, freedom, and hope today.
Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this service today. Our prayer is that some part of this service was meaningful and impactful for you. If we can be of assistance in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. God bless you and have a great week. Thank you.